take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Genesis and chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. I should have told you, but I didn't. I should have warned you, but, but I didn't. I should have announced it last week, but I didn't. But um, somebody came this morning and brought, and brought Amalek with them. You may not know that, but Amalek is in this room. And uh, somebody brought him. And so we're going we're gonna to deal with that. We're going to find out who brought Amalek here this morning. You may not know who he is, but uh, you're going you're gonna to find out who he is. But anyway, Genesis in chapter 4. Adam and Eve had a son. And his name was Cain. Verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Whether she believed that was the one that was going to be the Redeemer or not, that would have been pretty fast. Maybe that's when they should have done it and just did it right there at the beginning and solved a lot of problems, but it didn't work that way. And he was a tiller of the ground. Verse 2. Verse 3, In the process of time. So you know that time is being processed, and we're in... Uh, the last days of this limit of time. It came to pass, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Verse 4, And Abel, he brought of the first and of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. So Cain got mad. And he showed it. It was on his countenance. He didn't like what God said. Does that mean God must have been wrong? That means God shouldn't have said what he said, because if he hadn't have said that, Cain wouldn't have been upset. All God had to do is accept what he did. He accepted what Abel did. So it's all God's fault. Not exactly. You see, God told him that he wanted a blood sacrifice. And this is the first liberal and First fundamentalist right here in the beginning. One believed God and one didn't believe God. One obeyed, one disobeyed. One wanted to do it his way and the other one did it God's way. So simple. But you'll notice Cain was born first and then it was Abram. And then in verse 6, it says, what are you mad about? That's Yankee paraphrased. So he says, all you got to do in verse 7 is bring the right offering and everything's cool. And he didn't do that. Verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where's Abel thy brother? He says, I don't know. Is that a lie? Oh, yeah, that's a lie. Why did he tell a lie? To cover up another sin. See, that's what sin does. You know, you cover up sin, and you've got to keep telling more lies to cover up more sin. You know, after a while... It becomes a weight upon your shoulders. Uh, you know, he didn't realize that back then, but we're smart enough. We know that. We know that when we do wrong, admit it and get the guilt away. Because there's no way that we would let it build up on top of us, would we? We wouldn't just carry all that guilt. And we wouldn't tell more lies to cover up other lies. Because we know the pressure that it would bring upon us. We wouldn't do that, would we? That's why we don't need, you know, depression pills. Things to lift us up and things to 
take us down. This is God's medicine cabinet right here. God's word is his medicine cabinet. And God says, take the two verses and call me in the morning. <laughs> God's word works. But he says there in verse 10, he says, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, if it did it for one person, just think out of 50 to 60 million babies that have been murdered and the blood that cries out from the ground. God sees and God knows. God saw what was going on and God knows who did it. And he knows why they did it. You see, all because of pride. Pride. You'd be surprised what pride causes people to do. And of all the sins, God says pride is something he hates. That was the old devil's problem. Lifted up with pride. And you and I, what offends us more than anything else? Anything that attacks our pride. We don't like to be humbled or rebuked on anything from anybody. But we do it. And we get lifted up and then we get hurt and then we get bitter and mad and angry and look at the damage that's done. All because of P-R-I-D-E. But anyway, the problem with pride is the middle letter is the word I. That's the problem. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And notice there... Chapter 25 and verse 19. 25 and verse 19. A few years have passed. Now that uh, somebody's going to have a, a young one. It says in verse 20, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. The daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian. In verse 21, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she says, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. The elder shall serve the younger. Now remember this. In the scriptures, the first is generally a type like as of the flesh. Especially when there's a counterpart that shows the contrast. And the second is a type of the new birth. You have the nations of the world which is a type of the flesh, they came first. And later on, lo and behold, there was this little bitty nation that was born. That's the nation of Israel. Nation of Israel is like a type of the new birth, and the nations of the world is a type of the old birth, the old nations. So you and I, when we're born into the world, and one of the illustrations I've used many times, and I will do it again this morning, because I believe it's something that everybody needs to keep in mind. And maybe twice a year, I'd like to remind you of the simple illustration of the two natures. But this morning, I would like to explain it through the use of the man named Amalek. 
Now, you and I know, when we're born into the world, that's our flesh birth. This flesh birth over here is a type of the nations that came first. And then there was the nation of Israel. Israel, you see, was born because of a miracle birth. Uh, there was a son that was a miracle. When Abraham had his son, it was a miracle because he was too old to have a child and his wife. So that was a faith child, a promised child. The child that God promised by faith. And Abraham was a hundred years old. So here's all these nations of the world. And here's this little bitty nation amongst all these big nations. And God was going to do a work. And God was going to use this little bitty nation of Israel to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the world. Well, that was the plan. And it ain't over yet. But now, in this little story that we're reading here, there was these two sons. And if you'll look there in verse 27, and the boys grew. Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So you hear mom and daddy split on two kids. That usually causes trouble, too. When dad has a favorite, mama has a favorite. And you can know that there's favoritism on its way. And that usually causes a little breeding of hatred toward one and the other. But these two kids, God says that this one is going to be a great nation. And, well, everything was going to go wrong. And he's going to be a wild man. And wild he was. But as you go through and you read and you study, you find out, okay, the one that came out first, Esau, was a type of the flesh. And Jacob, well, he was a type of the new birth. And that's why you see God saying, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. God hates the first birth. doesn't hate the person. He hates that birth that we have because of a sinful nature. But Jacob have I loved because he's a representative. And you'll read that in the book of Malachi and other places. So there came a, a little war and tension and conflict between Jacob and Esau. The flesh against the spirit back and forth. Against the nation of Israel and the nations of the world. And the nations of the world have always wanted to totally destroy the nation of Israel. That's still what's going on today over in Israel. Think of all those Arab nations, and they want to destroy this little bitty nation of Israel. Well, that's where they like to go. Now look there in the book of Genesis in chapter 17. Look in chapter 17. Chapter 17, and look in verse 15. Because God had made a promise to Abraham, you're going to have a child. Well, he already had Ishmael and says, let, let Ishmael be the one. Now, the Muslim countries, the Arab countries would like you to think that uh, it really was Ishmael. It wasn't Isaac. It was really Ishmael was supposed to be the one. Because they say Abraham was our father. And Abraham was their father. So why come it didn't count? Well, because God said so. Now, look what he says here in verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah thy wife, Thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. 
Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face, and he laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old have a child? They laughed. Later on they said, we didn't laugh. He said, yes, you did. Well, he just laughed in his heart. God saw it. But anyway. So 18, verse 18, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And he said, now, Ishmael, I'm going to bless Ishmael, and he'll have a lot of kids, and there'll be a lot of nations on blah, blah, blah. But God had made a promise that this is what he wanted. So you see, there's, there's the two kids. There's Ishmael. He was born first. But then there was Isaac, and he was born second. See, the first birth is generally a type of the flesh, and the second one is a type of the spiritual birth. When you were born into this world, which came first, your flesh birth or your spiritual birth? Your flesh birth. This was born first. It was here first. It's older. Then you got your new birth. After you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were born into God's family. So this one is younger than this one. And that's about the way it's, it's been. Now take your Bible and turn to Genesis 36. Genesis chapter 36. Genesis 36. And you'll notice there in Genesis chapter 36 that in verse, say verse 2 up here, if you look at it, Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan. Well, God didn't want that, but that's what he did. That's why you find out later. Jacob went all the way over there to his uncle that had a place in the Earl of the Chaldees and got his wife and came back. Rebecca. Now, notice what he says here. And he had a, a bunch of kids. He took wives and all that. And down in verse 8, thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. These are the generations of Esau. Goes on down through here and talks about the, the wives and the concubines and the porcupines and all the rest of it. But look at verse 12. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, Esau. And she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. So this is where Amalek came from. Now Amalek is a type of your flesh. Now see, in the Old Testament... We have illustrations of New Testament doctrine. So that whenever you go to the Old Testament, you find stories after stories after stories. But those stories are illustrating biblical truth. So God could use Israel as an individual, a person with a new birth. But did this child, did Israel ever disobey God? Yeah. And God had to chasten Israel, but Israel has always been a people. Regardless, you cannot destroy the nation or the people of Israel. They will always be. That is a type of eternal security. Once you are a child of God, you are always a child of God. And Israel, as a people, will always be that. You can't undo it. 
All the nations of the world can try to destroy them, wipe them off. You can't do it. Why? Because they are a type of eternal security. Now, the flesh, nobody likes the flesh. That's that old sinful nature that you have, that I have. But you'll notice up there in verse 16 where he's talking about all the dukes. The only duke I liked was John Wayne. But here in verse 16, and Duke Korah and Duke Gotham and Duke Amalek. So much for the dukes. There's a whole bunch of these dukes. So sooner or later, they're going to have to duke it out. And they did. They came after Israel. Now look what he says in verse 31. Verse 31, and these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom before there reigned any king over the children of Israel. So who was first? Well, the ones from Amalek, the ones from Esau. They established nations way before Israel became a nation. So they went even into the land of Canaan, that choice piece of land, but they were wicked people. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 15 that Israel will go down into Egypt and they'll be there for 400 years because the sins of the Amorites are not yet full. In other words, when God has had enough and given them enough time and they don't correct the problem, God's going to raise up a rod and he's going to come up here and whoop them and take them out of the land and give the land to Israel. And then in Deuteronomy, he told them that when you get into the land and if you don't do right, I'm going to take another nation, a language that you don't understand, and I'm going to bring them in here and I'm going to whoop you with it and take you out of that land. So you see, you can't live as you please and get away with it. If there's anything we ought to learn from God's word is no man is free to live any way you please and think you're going to get away with it. You can live any way you please. But there's consequences. And it boils down to the same thing today as an individual. If you put God first and do right, God is going to bless you. And if you don't, God's going to chasten you. You ought to learn that lesson. You can deceive your mama and your daddy, but you cannot fool God. So he says, this is the way it is and this is what's happening. Now, take your Bible and look there in chapter, did I already look in chapter 32? If I didn't, there's a little verse that I wanted you to see. In verse 24, Jacob wrestled, and this is how he got his name. In verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day, which we later find out this was the Lord. And this is when he changed the name in verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hath prevailed. And then in verse 30, he says, I have seen the Lord. So God took and created a nation out of a man named Jacob. Gave him 12 sons, 12 tribes. So that's where Israel came from. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus in chapter 17, Exodus in chapter 17. The nation of Israel had been taken out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and now into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, lo and behold, there's a, there's a problem. There's always a problem. You see, when you make up your mind, I want to serve the Lord, well, that's when your life usually gets turned upside down. I mean, that's when it usually gets worse on you. 
I've had people, and a lot of people say, I was better off before I ever got saved. Because, see, the devil don't have to bother you. He'll leave you alone. But when you make up your mind you're going to serve the Lord, now you done started a war. The devil is going to do everything he possibly can to really mess you up. And he wants to defeat you. And so he's going to jump on you and deceive you and lie to you and try to get you against God. Because if God really loved you, he wouldn't let that happen to you. And you'd be surprised how it'll work on your mind. But now here in chapter 17 of the book of Exodus, the Bible tells us this. In verse 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take it in thy hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. Later on you read in the New Testament, that rock was Christ. But anyway, we'll move right along. And they, called, they kept asking the question, is the Lord among us or not? Because they thought, you know, God just took us out of the there. He's just going to kill us out here. Does God want you to live by faith? You say, yes, I'm going to live by faith. And then all of a sudden there's a, a wall. And you don't know what to do. And some, like, sometimes he, he just turned out all the lights and locks all the doors and four walls start moving in on you. You wonder what you're going to do. And then you'll begin to wonder, is God among me or not? Is God here or not? God's left me. God's forsaken me. Well, that's what oh, Amalek tells you. Now, God doesn't tell you that. Amalek tells you that. But look what he says down here in verse 8. They were doing fine until, uh, well, then came Amalek. Then came Amalek. Here you are. You want to serve the Lord. Do right. Here comes Amalek. And he's coming after you. Well, where does this Amalek live? Anybody got this figured out yet? Where does Amalek live? Have you seen him lately? Is he here this morning? You brought him. Every one of you in this room brought Amalek to church this morning. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Have you ever had somebody say, you know, your flesh is showing? Your flesh is showing. You see, the flesh is that old sinful nature. Has he reared his ugly head this morning? Have you and your wife been getting along this morning? Or did he already interrupt your schedule this morning? Have you already been hollering and yelling and screaming at each other and at the kids? Get ready, kids. It's time you go to school. You know we've got to go to church and, and be spiritual. We've got to show all those people how we love each other. Now hurry up. And every one of you will do it. And Amalek lives inside of you. He is that old sinful nature that you have. You see, Israel as an individual had to put up with Amalek. And that's why he says here in verse 8, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men, go out and fight, and fight with Amalek. So you've got to fight against Amalek. You see, that, that's that old will of yours, those old desires of yours. You see, there's something God wants you to do, and there's something that you want to do in contrast to what God wants. And you'll fight that battle all the days of your life. As long as you're in this body, Amalek lives there. He was there first. You see, this piece of body I have is like the land of Canaan. The Canaanites were already there. They were there first. God says, I'm going to take and give you this piece of land. I'm going to give it to Israel. And you're to go into there and you're to conquer this land. And 
Israel was to use this land to honor and to glorify God. But see, the Canaanites didn't want to give it to them. So they had to fight all these battles. And he told them, says, get rid of Amalek totally. But Israel never did. And that's why they never could have total victory. And the same thing works today. See, all that Amalek wants is just a little bit of territory. Let me have just a little bit and I'll leave you alone. He just wants a beachhead from which he can launch. See, that's all the Hezbollah over there want. Just let us have this little piece of land over here, the Gaza Strip. Let us just have the West Bank. Just a little bit of land and we'll leave you alone. Okay, for the sake of peace, we'll give in. How's it working? It's just a beachhead by which they can launch missiles over into Israel. Well, that's what the devil does through Amalek who lives inside of you. And all he has to do is have just a little bit of you. And he can control you. And he is there to instill fear inside of you. He is a terrorist. Amalek is a terrorist. And he calls you to live in fear, to be afraid. And that's why some people are afraid to step out and trust God and to do what God wants them to do because they're afraid it won't work. Who told you it won't work? Amalek did. He whispers in your ear. He tells you all these things. And you believe all that junk. And you'll hold back instead of doing what God wants you to do. But anyway, as you go down through here, look down in verse 16. And he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be some war. And this war is going to go on and on and on. But that's what happens. Now, look there in Numbers in chapter 24. Numbers in chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24. Look down in verse 17. In verse 17 makes this statement. This is on page 200 in an old school for reference Bible. or One of the church Bibles there. And it says there in verse 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now this is talking about Jesus Christ in the future. And he shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheph. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies. And Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and he said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall he be that he perish forever. One of these days, see, you and I are going to be taken out of this world. This old body here, this old flesh nature, it's going to die. And we will be free of Amalek forever. But until then, we're, we're going to have this war from generation to generation. But the time is coming when Amalek won't have that victory over us. Now, in saying all of that, let me kind of give you the picture in the New Testament. See, there's Old Testament stories and illustrations that illustrate biblical doctrine that's found in the New Testament. 
Old Testament stories, types, illustrations, but they're beautiful stories and illustrations. And you can read and find a lot of them. But when you get to the New Testament, it's like a lot of doctrine and say, where's all these nice stories? Well, put them together and you'd be surprised how wonderful it is. It teaches itself. But now, when you go to the New Testament, we know this. The Bible says in the book of Romans, none righteous, not one, none that doth good, uh, that none that seeketh after God. Uh, we've all gone our own way. Bad. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. It's natural for us to be rebellious. Your children, you don't have to teach them to be rebellious. It's natural for them. So don't worry about it. You don't have to teach them. It's nice that you don't have to teach them some things. It's just natural for them to be rebellious. That's their nature. And God says it's a sinful nature. Now, we're all human, but we have a sinful nature. Now, being sinful means that um, we sin. And sin means that we have to die. And because we have to die, that's eternal separation from God. So God says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 8, that is they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. So these are not the children of God. This is a type of the nations. And then you had little Israel. This one, see, was a miracle nation. Israel is a miracle nation. And the world hates Israel. That was back then. Aren't you glad it's not like that anymore? Does the world still hate Israel? Now, the biggest problem is when Christians try to get the world to love them. I'm not here to get the world to love me. I'm not here to change the world to love me. It's not going to happen. You see what they did to Christ, and he said, if they'll do this to me, what do you think they're going to do to you? And whenever you try to make so much peace with the world, you are losing your salt and you're losing your light and you're compromising and you'll never make any impact and you'll never influence anybody when you compromise on truth. You follow truth and you stand for truth regardless of where it may lead you. And don't let Amalek say, look, just give me a little piece of land and we'll have peace. And you can give in to the government this and give in to this and give in to that. Next thing you know, you won't exist because you don't have any authority. Not from God. God did not give us the authority to compromise. Now look at this. This old birth right here is sinful. It's wicked. going to die. But God says that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, when you trusted the Lord, God gave you a new birth. This one over here. This is new. This is not this one redone. This is not taking your garage and transferring it or, you know, converting it into the living room. And then the garage doesn't exist anymore. That's why most people have their religion. It won't work. Then they wonder why the car is still trying to get into the living room. Over here, you have a new birth. This one, born of God. That means God's the Father. This one has to be a miracle child. The flesh did not produce this one, which are born not by the will of man, a will of the flesh, but of God. So this one, born of God, God says that you have now His nature, which is a divine nature. 
And if God is the Father, God has no sinful nature. This one can't have a sinful nature. If it doesn't have a sinful nature, it cannot sin. If it cannot sin, it cannot die. And that's why he says that in John, 1 John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Okay, which one of these two is born of God? That one. This one does not commit sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. This one does sin. And they say, well, the word there means uh, practice sin. No, that's prazo. And the word is poeo, which means you cannot commit one single act of sin. Total difference. In your NIV, it will have practice, 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 practice. Take that thing and throw it in the trash. Over here. This is poeo. means you cannot commit one single act of sin because it's born of God. But as long as we live in this body, I'm supposed to have the right from God to take this body and yield it to my new birth. I'm supposed to not let the flesh have my body, my old sinful nature. That's why he makes the statement, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin and the death of obedience and the righteousness? Not yielding the members of this body to the flesh, but to the spirit. And God says, if I will serve him, he will bless me. But see, he didn't leave me alone in this great big old world with all these great big nations around like Israel. Israel's advantage was we have God on our side. We have God. God is our protector. God is going to take and lead us. And God is going to guide. God's going to take care of us. God is my shield. He is my defense. He is my fortress. You read all of that in Psalms. That's what he is. All right, now here you and I are. We are God's children. And it doesn't matter how strong the flesh is and how big the world is. God gave me something that can help me have victory. He gave to us the Holy Spirit, which is that power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's not just a power. He's a person. He lives within us to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to protect us. And that's why the scriptures is God's word written by the Holy Spirit. And then the author of the word of God lives inside of us so that we can be strong as God wants us to be. But until then, yes, you're going to have this old battle. So this morning, wouldn't it be a shame for you to let the terrorist terrify you when you don't have to yield, when you don't have to give in? Israel doesn't have to give up one foot of property over there for peace because they won't give them peace. There'll be no real peace until the Prince of Peace comes back and takes this country. And then God says, all the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem. And Israel will be the greatest nation in the world. And you and I, one of these days, they can laugh and do whatever they want to us now, but make sure you don't compromise. You are somebody different. You're special. You're a peculiar people. You're God's people. And you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. We should not let the world influence us. We should influence the world. We're not to conform to the world. We're different. And God wants it to be that way. I didn't get all that I'd want to say done. I never do. But I'm also watching the clock just like you. And I know that we have to, all good things must come to an end. But let me show you this before I close. 
in case you forgot, I mean, you thought I forgot. This is you and me. While it represents sin, we all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God wants us to go to heaven, and to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. None of us are. We have all come short of God's perfection. And God says, you can't save yourself. This church cannot save you. We cannot get you to heaven. I can't get you to heaven. I can't even get me to heaven, let alone you. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loved us. Our sin separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put that payment that he made to our account. We go to heaven on what he did. And when you believe that, he gives to you as a free gift everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, it would last forever. If it lasts forever and all my sins are paid, where will I go when I die? To heaven. So can I know I'm going to heaven before I die? Yes. That's what it's all about. That's the best news in all the world. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. And I want to know if what I said made sense to you. Now, you have that old sinful nature living inside of you. That little old Amalek. He probably tells you, don't listen to that nut. He don't know what he's talking about. You're good enough the way you are. How dare him say that I'm going to hell? Who does he think he is? Now, you listen to all that little junk outside Amalek inside of you. He tells you all that kind of stuff. And yet the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you and say, you know, I love you. There's no tricks to this. I wanted you to know how much I care about you. I made it free. You don't have to change anything, stop anything. I love you so much, I want to give you eternal life. And it's free. See, there's no tricks to that. There's no gimmicks to that. Nobody knows what you're thinking. You can't make a mistake because you're not stopping anything. You're not promising anything. All you're doing is believing something. And what do you got to believe? That you're a sinner? You got problems believing that? Would you have a problem believing you're a sinner? Would you have a problem believing that you're going to die? I don't have a problem with that. I know it's true. He made the world and he made you. And he created you in such a way that you have a desire to want to know truth. This is truth. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do it right now? If you will, God said he would save you and give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven. So with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you trusted Christ as your Savior this morning, say, that made sense to me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to have you come forward, but right where you're sitting, say, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. And what else? Just very quickly, just stick your hand up and say, yes, that made sense to me. I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for the one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust your Savior. By doing so, they become your child right now, and you give them eternal life. You love them so much, and you'll never cast them out and never lose them. We also pray, Lord, your blessings upon the communion service. As we look back to what you did for us, realizing that you came into this world and made a payment for all the sins of all the world, and that all we had to do was believe that you did it for us. We thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.